are sitting here at Snug Haven in the kitchen in what business cottage is called Winter? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So Snug Haven, just uh, north of Perry Sound. I'm sitting here with my dad, and uh, I've asked him to uh, gracious and he's graciously accepted to be on the podcast. And uh, he's the one who got me into fishing and got me into camping, and so I've just asked him to basically tell his story about he got into fishing and we'll do some follow-up questions on that so i'll turn it over to my dad now ah thank you chris okay the <coughs> first time i ever fished in my life i was five years old and my parents and i came up to my aunt's and uncle's cottage which is not very far from here and my dad and i went out fishing and we were trolling and at that time the boat was probably about a 14-foot aluminum boat. It had a Johnson motor, which was probably, might be three or five horsepower, would be the most. And you used to fill the, the gas in the top of the, of the motor. And we were fishing away and not getting anything. And so finally, Dad said, well, <coughs> time to go home. So he speeded up this roaring motor, <laughs> and I couldn't reel it in. And so I said to him, I said, Dad, I just turn it down. I can't pull the line in. And he looked pretty disgusted, like, you know, you weak little kid. You know, you can't pull this line in. So sure enough, he slowed it down. And I said, I still can't pull this thing in. And I kept working and working. And finally, we realized I had a great big pike on the end <laughs> of my thing. So back then, we didn't have any nets or anything to get him in. So he was hooked and his mouth was open. So we dragged him for a while and drowned him. <laughs> And took him back to the cottage. And so I still have the picture. He was 36 inches long. And I have a picture of the cottage and me holding this fish. And he was just about as big as I was. Yeah, I've, I've seen that picture. Yeah, no, so that was that was pretty neat. And that was, that was your first fish? First real big fish, yeah, or sighting fish or whatever. It was almost the size of you. <laughs> yeah, it was, it too. It really was. Having that picture is really special. Anyway, the next experience <coughs> is I was on the Spanish River with Charlie Bell, a fishing buddy, and we were going down <coughs> the uh, going down the river, and I had been there lots of times with the, the kids on the Spanish River, and we stopped and, and we thought we'd just fish for a bit, and I hooked in to the most amazing speckled trout. It was just unbelievable. It was about 26 inches long, and so... We asked Charlie, what are we going to do with this? And he said, well, you know the trail that goes back to the lodge. Why don't you take the fish back and have them freeze it? And then when we get home, <coughs> you can have it mounted because this is really special. So I said, all right. So here I am. I'm going back. It's about a half-hour walk back to the lodge along an old logging trail. And I'm holding this fish, <laughs> fresh fish, <laughs> And I'm walking along, and wasn't really thinking about anything other than getting back there. So I got back to the lodge, and they froze it, and I came back again. And we got thinking afterwards, I'm in bear country. Right. <laughs> and I'm walking down this backwood <laughs> kind of trail, holding this live uh, fish. <laughs> it, was, it was probably not the smartest <laughs> thing we ever did. But we did get it, and I did get it stuck. But I think today, if I got it today, it would have been a live release for sure. What, um, if you don't, what yep. did you catch it on? Um, 
It was on a lure. I don't okay. even remember what the lure was. It wasn't fly fishing at okay. that time. Anyway, in 2010, dear wife Margaret and I went on an Alaska cruise. And on the cruise, it was just amazing, but I did get a full one-day fly fishing program. And the one thing I caught, one of the first fish I caught that I had always wanted to see was a grayling. And they are a beautiful fish and this incredibly high um, backbone to them and stuff. And anyway, that was pretty neat. But then we got down to this small river and we were fishing for chum salmon. And I have never seen so many fish in my life. <laughs> you hear people talking about you could walk across the, the river. Well, you almost could. Our biggest challenge that day was not to foul hook them because there were so many fish, right. it was almost impossible to catch them. And anyway, we did get some that weren't foul hooked. <laughs> and that was, that was really quite an amazing day. Um, okay, and then 2017, I got to check off the big one <coughs> on my bucket list. We were in Florida and Charlie Bell again and I, we were out and we were fly fishing for bonefish and I was using a their rod but it was my fly that I tied that I had on and all of a sudden I caught this bing I could feel this pull so this fish just took off like crazy and he must have gone 40 yards and finally stopped I got him stopped I get him just about back to the boat and away he went again about another 40 yards he did three runs like that so I'm pulling him in, and I'm thinking, I got a monster fish here. This is just going to be absolutely spectacular. And by the time we get him in, and the <laughs> they net him, and he was about 12 inches long. I can't believe it. They are the most incredible. They don't jump out of the water like a bass. Gives you a great fight jumping. But they are just the most powerful fish. I can't imagine when people talk about catching a five-pound, you know, fish like that it's just something else anyway that was a real great one um oh later on that day we had another choice <coughs> rather than wading the flats and so on he took us out and we were trolling and we caught a barracuda i have a picture of holding the barracuda but you sure wouldn't lift yeah hook him <laughs> or he'd take your thumb off um, we got almond jack fish, and we got one almond jack that had a big slice all the way down the side of him, from a, obviously from a barracuda. And all of a sudden, uh <coughs> this thing jumped out of the water and landed in the middle of the boat. And uh, it, <coughs> it was just, it, was, it turned out it was a squid. And I'm pretty sure that probably a barracuda was chasing him. Oh, wow. And he came out and he landed right in the bottom <laughs> of the boat. Anyway, so that was quite a day. We had a wonderful day fishing that day. Um, fishing is not about catching, all right? Um, often I sat on the Saugeen River and just sat there waiting to see if there's a mayfly catch coming. And I sit there and I look across, and the river wasn't very wide then, and I looked across and I watched a female raccoon teaching her young how to catch crayfish. And I watched them for probably half an hour. She just kept working and working with them and so on. 
and it was it was just amazing. And a, in a tree just above there was a kingfisher, and he sat there and sat there, and then all of a sudden he would dive down, and just go head first into the water, and he would usually come up with maybe a <coughs> a small minnow or a young uh, speckled trout or the, the any kind of trout. But anyway, it's amazing to watch him. He just dives in like crazy. So I sat there and watched all this going on. A couple of canoeists went by, which was kind of nice. And the mayhatch never came. And so I packed up and went home. And that was a great day fishing. <laughs> but there's something more important <coughs> really and meaningful than all of those adventures I've just talked about. And that's teaching Chris and Kyle about, f about fishing. And I remember that dearly in my heart, seeing them catch their first fish. They, uh, they learned how to live release them. They learned how to lip hook them with their thumbs and get them out. Um, and one of the most important things that they learned over time was how to clean fish. <laughs> so I now don't have to clean fish, which is pretty good. Um, they, they have a good attitude towards fishing in terms of not bothering. If somebody's in the place you want to go, you then you go somewhere else. You make sure you know the regulations, uh, where you're fishing and so on. And we release a lot of fish. The odd one we keep to eat and some we keep to bring home. But it's just to watch them grow up and now both of them also into fly fishing. And that's just really, really something to see and I'm very proud of both of them. That's just a wonderful reward and a wonderful memory. Love you, Chris. Thank you. Those were wonderful stories. If you don't mind, no? a few more follow-up questions. Sure. Um, how did you get into fly fishing? And when did you start? Because you said you started up here in Perry Sound and trolling. Did you? Yeah, I did think. Did you do a lot of spin casting first, and then? Yeah, we did a lot of spin casting, and then there was a chap that was um, he he was a fly fisherman, Jack Guess, and he taught us how to start to tie flies. Okay. And I think my first fly was um, actually bought at Canadian Tire. <laughs> And I did catch a small rainbow on that one. Um, but that was it. It just kept expanding. And, and I've taken, you know, some lessons from John Volk, um, as have you. And uh, it's just something about fly fishing that, that is different from any other kind of fishing. It's, it's so enjoyable. And, again, it's not what you catch. It's just the whole, the whole package is there. And how did you learn? That was from Jack Getz. Okay. He, he taught us to begin with, and then we used to go to the fly fishing forum in Toronto every year, and there would be sessions on fly tying and that sort of thing. And so it just expounded and reading books and just trying to imitate different flies that were supposed to be good. And, and now you have a, a quite an inventory. I have an inventory. <laughs> I have enough flies for you to last you for yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Both fortunately and unfortunately. <laughs> fortunate that I have all of them. Unfortunate <laughs> I probably don't have to learn how to tie them all. Yeah, well, that might be coming. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I think we should work on that. Yeah, yeah. That that will take a little, a 
feel like the fishing I can pick up a little. <laughs> the rhythm of the cast is probably easier than the the tying. Well, it depends on the fly. Some of them are pretty easy. Yeah. Do you have a favorite fly to tie? Um, depends where I am, but certainly the uh, gold rib here's ear wet fly is probably my go-to fly. Um, up here, there's one spot I go <coughs> that we use a, a fly that um, imitates a small perch. Yeah. But, um, you know, we just keep trying all kinds of different stuff. A lot of the fish up here eat crayfish, so we tie crayfish patterns and just trying to match the hatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing we didn't talk about, because I had asked to talk about fishing, but you were also a geography teacher. Yes. Um, did that? Did the fishing come first and the cottage exploration? Well, obviously that came first because you were five. But in terms of, did that uh, help inspire your interest in becoming a geography teacher and then eventually outdoor um, Or also, you were. I don't know. I just always loved geography, and then got into outdoor and had a chance to to run programs, and uh, of which you were part of. Yeah. <laughs> And we, that was we survived that. That yeah. was a pretty neat part of my life. And because you said one of your the stories on this thing is with you, you said the kids. So that those were, those weren't the kids as in myself and Kyle. Those were students. Yeah, you were running. Trips. Yeah, what were those? They were like week long. Um, yeah, it would take us take us a week, and it was you know we did a lot of training in in Walkerton. There's a sluiceway that was ideal for training for white water fishing or canoeing and uh, so we did a lot of work there and really trained them very well when we left but it was there was lots of amazing things going on you'd see the odd moose and <laughs> you know lots of rapids and a few scary trips but anyway everything worked out how did you pick the the spanish river um i heard about it when i was taking a course in kingston and uh, there was somebody from Sudbury, and we got talking about taking kids outdoors and stuff, and he told me about the Spanish River. So a good friend of mine who went with me on a lot of my trips as a supervisor as well, he and I went down, first of all, okay, and uh, checked it out. And once we did it once, I probably, I probably ran 20, 25 trips down there with teacher groups and student groups and all kinds of stuff. It's an amazing piece of water. Where would you start? Like how long would the trip run? Usually, if, well, depending. You could go all the way up to Biscoe with casing and come all the way down. Um, it would take a good week as long as you're not, you know, there's no sense pushing it. You might as well sit back and drift sometimes and get ready for the next rapid. Right. And a few tough portages. Oh, yeah. So then with the with the classes, those were specific kind of uh, what they called them I forget they, they that wasn't because the class that we took was a full semester yeah very outdoor education co-op kind of but yeah. you were doing the Spanish River that was more of like a, an adventure well yeah yeah we started out that way yeah and then we just kept kept building up and you know once it became a full-time course that was just amazing that was yeah. the best course I ever had in my life <laughs> How long did you teach that for? Probably ten years. I think you ran various programs from you know just the you know small, not the full trip, but then uh, right. later on we had uh, 
once we got the full program running, it was amazing because it would take us, you know, a week, week and a half to to run the whole trip. Right. And it always brought everybody back. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the later course, the one that I took, how how did you? Because you did the the Spanish River trip in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. And then, but then you took. Oh, you were on the one where we went to. Yeah, we were at the Everdale Air Force Base for some reason. So the trip up here. Oh, up to, to Franklin Island. Yeah. yeah. What? Um, when did you, when did you start that class? And how did that? Did you? Or I guess the easiest way to say, how do you propose a semester-long course for? <laughs> well, I think I got a lot of help from Clark Burchard, and <coughs> who was at the board office, and he was very keen and got me into that, and. Uh, so we wrote up the, the whole program and what it was all about. And, you know, there was a certain uh, academic uh, was a large part of the program. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget the day he said, well, you know, why don't, why don't, we, why don't you teach a course and take kids out fishing and, and canoeing and stuff? I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> Turned out it was great. And then, and then you've been retired since the early 2000s. I was 2000, I year 2000, I retired, yeah. And, th and that's when the fly tying really took off? <laughs> well, it, no, I did a lot of fly tying before then, too, but certainly a lot after. And then the one, uh, to kind of switch gears a little, after that, uh, the one big story that I know that you didn't talk about was your, your trip to Hangman. Oh, yes. <laughs> How did... How did that come about? Because that was the early 70s. Yeah, well, again, that was uh, Clark Burchard again. Okay. was putting together a group. We knew somebody who was working up there for a while. And uh, so I think there was six of us that went. Um, and uh, that was just an amazing trip. It really was. And uh, other than the scenery, we hiked a week, a week took National Park. And had some incredibly terrible weather but <laughs> anyway it was it was a wonderful trip and then we had to go <coughs> by the big canoes and a motorboat and we were to close up the campsite that uh, the first air used to bring their executives up okay as a fishing camp and we caught arctic char like it was going out of style <laughs> it was just amazing and uh, that was that was just that was a real eye opener to the to the Arctic, which of course you became very involved in. And you went. What time was it? Was it August? Um, or was it later? No, it would have been July or August. Yeah. Because the, there was no ice. No, no. Okay. So and it was it like two weeks. Yeah. No, it, it was quite a trip, and we learned a lot about the lifestyle of the Inuit then. Um, but <coughs> their time was not <laughs> by the watch. Right. Their time was by the tides. Right. And that controlled what they did when we left, when we came back, all that stuff. Pretty neat. Yeah, well, it was, it was interesting and I guess coincidental that I also then went to Pangerton. Yeah. Two members of our family have been there. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, coming up, the, the first story you started with about catching the fish and coming up here. Mm. So, 
five. So how long you've been coming up to Snug Harbor is my question. Well, I, <coughs> I am now 75. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been coming up here almost all my life. I missed a few summers, I think, um, when I was going to university because I had to work then to make some money. And but uh, other than that, I haven't missed very many years up here. And a lot of it, some of them were out, well, we used to go as a family. We go out to Franklin Island with you guys in diapers and <laughs> no running water and no toilets. And it was great experience. <laughs> <laughs> Although right now, running water and toilets yeah. are pretty nice. <laughs> so right from the start, this is always a, a special place then? Yeah, because of my aunt and uncle, yeah, and coming up here. And it just became... I don't know, my dream world, I guess. Yeah. yeah. How long would you spend well, when you're younger? Sometimes I'd be up and stay with my aunt and uncle alone. My parents could go golfing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be up two weeks at a time and stuff. And, and my uncle taught me a lot about fishing, too. You know, he was quite a fisherman. And so then that's why you just kept coming, yeah. kept oh coming yeah. back? And then I can't imagine going anywhere else, really. Just because of the, all the islands and the little inlets and stuff, it's just a wonderful place to even just to to go out for a boat ride, you know. But you do have to know where the shoals are. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been pointing those out. Yes, I have been. <laughs> Although this this time is a little difficult, a little more difficult because the water is higher. Oh, it's really there. high this year, yeah. Which is good because you don't hit them but you don't see them either that's <laughs> right yeah it's changed the landscape it really has um, oh I guess the of, of all the fishing stories and all the fishing you've done do you have a favorite fish or is it just the fish you're well I love I love smallmouth bass you know and the bonefish was pretty special that's that's an amazing fish I think they can go 35 miles an hour in the water I said they're an unbelievable fish however they're hard to you know it's that's you got to get down into the Bahamas and so on and here I can drive up here in three and a half hours and get a yeah. bass on in about 10 minutes so. yeah <laughs> yeah we don't uh, without giving anything away we don't the nice thing about here is you don't have to spend a full day yeah planning and going go out and at least the spots that we go you'll know if you're you'll, you'll know if they're biting that day and yep. catch them that's right so it's, it's a nice vacation too it's not not necessarily a, a full fishing excursion no no we can be we can get our limit pretty fast now <laughs> yeah it, <it's coughs> or not at all yeah it, that seems to be the um, the way they're biting this year yeah is they're either they're either really hungry or yeah. Not interested at That's all. That's right. Well, I think that's been quite a quite good story, quite interesting yeah, story. Yeah, no, I enjoyed doing it. It's I'm very thankful and grateful that uh, that that pike latched onto your lure <laughs> and, <laughs> and created uh, interest because this has been quite the quite the spot to come and learning fishing and again the appreciation for outdoors and all yeah. that uh, experience and knowledge and 
and and then taking up fly fishing because I figured that was the last thing you hadn't I hadn't picked up yet, which has been quite the challenge. But right. it's also that's also part of fishing as well. Is that's, that's right. Yeah, challenge. So, so thank you for agreeing to do this. Well, no, that's you know, great. Usually you don't ask your parents to, or you don't stick a mic in their face <laughs> and ask them to talk. So <laughs> thank you for that. Good. That was great. Thanks, Chris.